CBS Sunday, after the Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. CBS season finale Sunday after The Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome to the State of Combat Instant Analysis Edition. I am Brandon Wise. We have kicked out Brian Campbell. That SOB has decided to leave us on one of the bigger nights in combat sports. But don't worry, we've got you covered right here. Brandon Wise alongside Jack Crosby. Jack, how you doing tonight, buddy? Brandon, I'm doing pretty well, my friend. How about you? I'm exhausted, if you couldn't tell by the tone of my voice. It's been a long day for us here at CBS Sports. We, uh, Jack and I are both combat writers and editors, as well as golf editors, as well as college football editors. So it's always fun when the fights hit in this time of year, especially on long Saturdays, covering college football, finishing it off with these great fights at the end of the night. But we got plenty to get to here, man. Israel Adesanya is your new middleweight champion of the world, stopping Robert Whitaker in round two in Melbourne, Australia. Jack, he gave fans exactly what he said he was going to give them. He went out and just systematically took apart Robert Whitaker in a way that I really didn't see coming. He was, he put on a, the kind of performance that made you really believe in those Anderson Silva comparisons and in those next level of MMA comparisons because he just looked like the better fighter out there tonight against Robert Whitaker. What do you think? You know, if you take Izzy's last two fights, if you take the Gaston fight and what you saw tonight, you saw – when you put those two fights together, it's, it's, it's proven now that Israel Adesanya is – if not the most well-rounded fighter in this company, he's one of the most well-rounded fighters in this company because the Gaslam fight, he showed us he could be a brawler. And tonight we saw his intelligence inside the cage because, like you said, from the moment that fight started, he had a methodical approach that he knew what he was going to do coming in, and he stuck to that plan, and he knew what Bob was going to do. He knew everything that was going to happen because Robert came out and he came out guns a blazing. He was, he was looking, he was looking to put Izzy away and embarrass him early. Israel knew that. And then, like you said, systematically, he just picked him apart right until it was time to put the finishing touches on it. And it was almost as if he had that planned in his head coming into this fight. But no, I mean, I haven't always been the biggest Izzy fan, but. And a lot of people aren't, but you you can't help but respect the guy because he he he's one of the best in this company, and he's proven that. I'll I'll say that he did rub me the wrong way a little bit tonight with his antics before the fight with the whole choreographed dance, where we're kind of just like, dude, really, like really, <laughs> like we just saw this happen like three weeks ago, where a dude did this and then had no gas tank when he got to the ring. But it, the comments after it too, it was just it was weird, right? Like 
I know that a lot of these guys have that 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 bravado about them where they know how good they are and they want to they want to style on their opponents after knocking them out but he just kind of had like no remorse for Robert in there and and that's kind of weird just given like the 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 dynamic between those two where they're the two top guys and they're both from that part of the world where that fight means so much more to those fans than it does here it it was just a weird vibe all around i thought he is he did come up at the end being a little too try hard and trying to get that heel heat from the crowd, like not just in Australia, but obviously like for his whole persona going forward, because now he's the king of the, he's the king of the middleweights there. There's that it's undisputed for a reason he is. So now he's trying to carry that momentum. And I get it. You know, it's, it's almost, I think I've spoke about this the last time I was on here with BC. It's the Conor McGregor effect. You know, you got a lot of these guys that just think, okay, I can be as great as I want to be in here, but I also got to be this character too. Because that character is going to get, it's going to land me the bigger fights, it's going to land me more money. No matter if I'm champion or not, I can, I can keep get, reaching new heights if I just keep pushing this character. And at, like you said, post fight, the dance I wasn't too, I mean, I get it. And when you're in a big stadium like that, it's a little different than when you're in a 10, 15,000 seat arena. But yeah, post, post fight, he was just, it, it was like too try hard where, and especially a, a, such a likable guy and respected fighter like Robert Whitaker, you got to at least toss the guy some sort of respect. And to, to Whitaker's credit, he was great afterwards and credit in Izzy. But no, Izzy was, a, he was a little try hardish afterwards. I didn't, I didn't like that. So you said Conor McGregor and, and I was thinking of this during the fight and I was thinking of it after trying to think of a comparison for what we just saw. And I really, I think the closest thing I can think of is McGregor against Eddie Alvarez back at MSG in, in 2016 when he just made him look silly. Like, like you said, um, Robert went in there blitzing. Like, mm-hmm. he went in there doing that almost like what, uh, Tiago Santos tried to do against John Jones where he just yes. exploded into his face with his, with his power shots, but he wasn't landing. Like, no. Izzy was bending backwards. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a dude bend so far backwards to avoid shots and and have it work like Anderson Silva back in the day was able to do that kind of move but he wasn't I don't think he was that flexible to be honest with you and is he like even in that final sequence he eats a shot on the on the come in from from Whitaker falls back and off of his equilibrium it catches him with a right hook before flipping over with the left hook that eventually drops Whitaker and, and, and ends the fight. It was one of the weirdest sequences I've seen to end a fight, but also just shows the, the ridiculous brilliance that it, Adesanya has. And the toughness, too. I mean, like I said, going back to the, I mean, how many times in the Gastelum fight did we think, all right, this skinny dude is done. Like, Kelvin's going to, this, eventually, the power from Kelvin's going to get this guy. And it never did. And, Tonight, like that, that you just mentioned, that shot that he ate from Robert, that that hit him flush. And like you said, Ebep and was able to come back with the combination as he, like you said, the equilibrium was off, and he's falling back, and he's able to he's able to come back with the combo like that after eating a shot like that. I'll give him credit. Like we just talked about um, his post fight antics, but one thing he said there is like, like you can't question my toughness anymore. And no, you, you can't question how tough this dude actually is. But w- what he's able to do playing off that toughness is just insane. Like, I don't think we've ever seen a guy like that. Like I said, when it comes to well-roundedness, 
I don't think there's anyone better in the entire company right now. Yeah, I, I agree with that to a point. I still want to see what he looks like with a true wrestling game. Like, what happens when he has to fight somebody who's actually going in there with the only goal of taking him to the ground and 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 dirtying the fight up with ground and pound? But I, I agree. I, I think that, that the full... The full complement of skills is there for Israel for once he gets to these bigger events. And and it's just going to be interesting to see what happens here because I don't really think that there's a whole lot of guys lining up right now at 185 to, to take well, him on that, that could have a chance. You know, like there might be challengers yeah. coming in in here, but I, I just don't know that there's a full arsenal of, of guys waiting to take out Israel at this point. There's not, and this is where I think we're going to run into a problem that could become annoying because here we have, like you just said, like the the depth at middleweight is not great. We saw after the fight tonight that we're go, we're going to get Paulo Costa versus Izzy for the title. That's going to happen. Like we know that, but then like afterwards, then you say, what do you do? We already have this back and forth going on. John Jones won't go up to heavyweight. He is swearing up and down he won't go to heavyweight, but he'll. He'll trash talk with Izzy about coming up to his level. So we're, we're eventually going to hit that crossroads that we're made, whether they like it or not, where people are going to, if especially if Izzy is able to sort of steamroll through Costa in the in his first undisputed title defense, then we're going to get into, especially with his attitude and, and his, like I said, this character he's playing, then we're going to start getting into that John Jones conversation. And I don't even know where that's going to lead to. Yeah, there's there's plenty still to figure out when it comes to his next opponents and and what the future could hold because I mean Brian said Brian Campbell said on this show earlier this week when we talked about it with Rashad Evans that he thinks that Israel could be the next star he could be the new star and and I'm seeing on Twitter right now everybody's column coming out of this fight is a star is born with Israel Adesanya here I don't know man like I get it I get what you're trying to sell. But, like, you and I deal with, like, the SEO game here, and it didn't feel like there was a lot of buzz around this fight, no. especially when it's, like, this Oceanic Super Bowl that everybody was talking about. I understand the time of the year is weird. I understand there's a lot of other sports going on right now. Playoff baseball, I think, just ended. Somehow the baseball game went longer than both fights tonight. But I just I, – yeah, I don't know yet, man. Like, I, th- to me, this wasn't a star-showing-out performance. It was a great knockout. It was a great fight. But I don't know if it's the fact that, that Robert wasn't the perfect counter to what Israel tried to do or if it was just like people still aren't sure of what Israel is yet. I don't think they're sure of what he is yet. And I don't – and obviously the machine isn't behind him yet. And the machine being the U.S. – like the UFC holds all the marketing cards. Uncle Dana holds all of the marketing cards. It's up to him. Um, like, have they pushed Izzy as the next star? No, they haven't. Not yet. And like you, like you said, drawing interest on his own, he's just not cutting it. Um, I, I, I do agree with BC too. I think this guy can be the next. Especially, I mean, if he keeps winning, like you can't deny that he's going to be the next star. But right now, at this, at, at this point, and that this is no knock on. Australia or anything like that like it's just I think it would have been different like the stadium atmosphere does add to any sort of sporting event especially combat sports it, re- it really does it's different than the 
like I said, the 10, 10 15,000 seat arena. It's different when it happens there. But how much different would it be if it happened in the United States here as opposed to Australia? Yeah. I, you I, know what I, I mean? I, I like, get it, man. I get it. I, I feel it, like this would have been just – I mean, we saw what the numbers were for Whitaker's fights here when he fought Romero twice. They were good fights too. Like people yeah. people slept on those fights and they were really good. And, and we saw what the numbers were. And it was just like, eh, eh they happened. That's it. But this to me, this goes to what I would like to talk with you next about is – do you think that we overrated Whitaker in any way as champion? Because when you think about it, he actually never defended the title while, no. while he had the belt because Romero missed weight for the rematch and it was ended up being a non-title fight, even though yeah. I think everybody agreed that Dana and Robert even said that he, they would give Yoel the belt if he won that fight. But yeah. it, Robert, man, it, it's a, it goes back to the discussion that we had. It's like, did he just get really lucky at the right time when he got the title? Like because of Bisbing and the GSP thing where they both, where GSP vacates the title after beating Bisbing and everybody kind of thought the division was a joke anyway at that point with Bisbing yeah. as the champion. It, I feel like Robert, before this fight, you could, we had the argument saying he might be the quote unquote weakest of the champions that UFC has right now. I kind of feel like this is confirmation bias, but he did not look right at all tonight. It, I don't know if it was the ring rust. I don't know if it was the strategy, but he just did not look right. What do you think? Eh, which is weird because I'll give him credit for all, the, for all the guys been through. He looked in phenomenal shape. That was one thing I thought to myself when he got to the cage. I said, God, he looks good. And then well, we saw what happened. But I mean, that my initial thought was, God, he looks he's in great shape. Um, but you're, you definitely have a point though, because when you look back on it now, like he, the, the guy had, he had a great presence to him, a great look, tough as nails. Like you can't knock the guy for that. So he came across as a legitimate champion, but looking back, you're right. The circumstances going all the way back to GSP and Bisbing. And then, yeah, you, you, like we all love Joel Romero. But, you know, he's not exactly in his prime. So when you look back at those fights and the way Robert came out of those, that you know what? I don't think that we can look back on his reign very fondly. You can respect the guy, but I, I don't think we're going we're, we're gonna to look back on his title reign and say he lit the world on fire. Just, be, you know, because, yeah, like I said, he was one of those rare instances where he was handed the status from interim to undisputed champion. Just it was kind of it was just handed to him. And then, yeah, up until tonight, tonight was kind of a bit of I guess you can call it an exposure to, to a point. What is he did to him? Because, like I said, when you get when you get picked apart like that, it's kind of it's kind of embarrassing almost. Yeah, and to be fair, I would say that the Romero he fought in those two fights. Was probably prime Romero. I don't, uh, you think? Really? I, I mean, I feel like those were two of the best fights we've seen Romero put on in the UFC. In terms of complete package. Like, he did everything right. He, he looked like he hit all of the right buttons. He dropped Whitaker a couple of times in those, in those fights. He might be, he might, you might be right in that he was older and that we might have, if he was, I don't know, five years younger in those fights, he might have looked better. He might have had a better gas tank. But yeah. I, I feel like that was a better Romero than, than people give credit for. And 
He looked it again, what, uh, a couple months ago against Paulo Costa? Like, he looked that good again. So, I, I don't know about that. I think, I think the stigma that you would, that we could put on Robert Whitaker if we were to put something like that on him is the Dominic Cruz effect, man. Like, yeah. we have no that's, idea that's, what that's this guy man. looks like two years ago before all these random and really bad injuries happen. I mean, dude, <laughs> he had to pull out of a fight last year because of a bowel collapsing. Like, how does that happen? <laughs> you know? And it's just, there's, there's been one thing after another with him. And, and it, it's like one of those things where we get annoyed as, as writers and editors where it's like, Oh God, another fight canceled that we, we had our hopes up for that we're not going to get to see. But it's like, it's just kind of bad luck when a guy has just these random things that keep happening to him. Like, like Dominic Cruz did with his injuries. Yeah, because I don't think I can remember. Because don't I, maybe some people forget. Like Whitaker weighed in and everything. Mm-hmm. This was literally the, the day of the. I don't think if we ever see something like that happen again, it, it'll be an anomaly because I, I've never seen anything like that before. But yeah, I mean, can, can you question too whether he should have maybe sat out a little bit longer? I, I like I've never dealt with a collapsed bowel myself. <laughs> You're talking, you're talking about from that fight? Should he have fought tonight? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 he was I what? Mean, that was six months ago at this point? No, that was eight months ago, right? That was February? Yeah. But mean, it's something you could at least mildly entertain. No, I, I agree. I saw Brett Akimoto tweeted that his wife, uh, Robert Whitaker's wife, was fighting. He was fighting his wife to get out of the hospital bed that morning because yeah. he wanted to go fight. He was he was that determined to still go fight that night, and it's just like I mean, I, fighters are just crazy people. Well, um, le- go ahead. I mean, if you go, like, let me ask you this though, because I understand. Like, don't want to take anything away from, but Robert Whitaker is a uh, he's a he's a rare he's a rare breed here. Because what do we do with him now? Man, I don't know. Right, I mean. Let, first, let's talk. Let's talk Israel Adesanya first, though. I know that he he said after the fight that that's the that Paulo Costa is the guy he wants, and that and that's what, uh, for all intensive purposes, like UFC should be booking is Paulo Costa and Israel Adesanya. There's some heat on that now. He gave him the double birds after the fight, and then the yep. uh, great crotch. Cr- uh, <laughs> I can't even the say crotch, right. chop. crotch chop yep. in the ring. So there there's some heat to that. But after Paulo Costa, the rest of these 185-pound rankings right now, man, is. That's why I told you, Brandon. Like it or not, the John Jones talk is going to come because John doesn't have that. Like when we talk about the light, light heavyweight, what's the, what's the main topic we focus on? Yeah. What does John have left? And then you ask John, you going up to heavyweight? Well, no. So then it's like, all right, well, what are you going to do, bud? And now we're like I said, we're gonna run into that point where if Izzy gets past Costa, should that fight happen? I mean, it's not guaranteed, but it looks like it's going to. He gets past him, then we're gonna look at Izzy and go, okay, so what are you gonna do? So now we're looking at both of these guys who are trash talking each other, going, okay, so what are both of you guys gonna do? Yeah, we're good. We're and yeah, I know you like you sigh. I'm gonna say like I don't particularly want to see it, or I because I. I mean, 
both like Izzy's trash talk is pretty good, but a little forceful. I never liked John Jones trash talk. So like, that's not really something that could sell me. Like I, I'd, I'd be okay seeing the fight, but I, I don't want to deal with that buildup. Like it's one of those things that that's one of the, those instances where I wish it, they could just be like, look, these guys are fighting tomorrow. Just watch it, please. And I'll be like, okay. Yeah. Like I don't want to hear about it. I, I, st- I just want to see it. I still just think that, the size difference would just be so ridiculous for John Jones. Like I, I really don't think Israel has a chance for in that fight. There's a, like, I know that like it's old habit at this point to say, but there are levels to this game. And there's also a reason why there are weight divisions in this game. Like 20 pounds is a big deal when it comes to the UFC fighting, especially. So, uh, just going through the, uh, uh, our own cbssports.com divisional rankings that we debuted earlier this month, I think, or last month actually. Yeah. I mean, you might not think that it's like time for it, but Robert Whitaker, Yoel Romero three might be an interesting fight right now to you, make. You know what? I think, I think the, the diehards, I think, I think they'd be into it. I'd be, I don't, I'd be into it. If like, if they came to me and they booked that man, I'd say, all right, I'll watch it again. The first two was so good. So I'd watch it again. If Kelvin Gastelum beats Darren Till at UFC 244 next month, you should probably look at that one as well. I think yeah. that'd be an interesting fight, especially given that it was already booked for that February card, like we were talking about earlier before the collapse battle situation. I think that those are your two options right now for Robert. If he if he's ready to come back quick and it sounded like it after the fight, he was disappointed with his performance, but you know, can only do def- so much. Yeah, I definitely say you d- if if Gastelum comes out at 244 with the with the win over Till, I I'd say do that cuz I was very much looking forward to that title fight. As were a lot of other people. I I thought that was going to be a great middleweight title fight. And we ended up getting a great fight anyway. But um no, I thought that, I thought that was going to be a fantastic fight, so I would watch that. But man, oh man, like when you look through the middleweight division, though, like you said before, there's just there's a problem there. There's an issue. Yeah, hopefully it sorts itself out and we get some good fights coming up soon. But we'll get to the rest of UFC 243 here in just a second after a word from our friends and sponsors. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, Brandon Wise and Jack Crosby here giving you instant analysis from UFC 243 while Brian Campbell presumably drinks pina coladas in some foreign country. Anyway, Jack, this card, not great. Not really great on paper coming in. Didn't really give us a lot of moments either for a a, a venue that is now another record breaker in terms of attendance. I think, what was it, 60,000 tonight? 
Um, Close to it, yeah. Yeah, it. I mean, I feel like you're if you're a fan tonight, you're you're kind of disappointed, especially if you're a Robert Whitaker fan. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is something that aggravates me too. Like we we why don't we do this more in the U.S.? You know, we we well every time I watch Anthony Joshua fight in England. And then I watched something like tonight with the UFC. I'm like, why can't we have more of this over here? They just come across so much cooler, so much like just a bigger deal. Like, I wish we could do more of that here. Like those venues really do give a, it adds to the pageantry of it all. And it just, it, it irritates me a little bit that we can't have more of that over here. It's something, uh, we were talking about while we were at the office here in, in Fort Lauderdale with our boss Adam Silverstein and and it's interesting that to think that that's a possibility but it's also it, you, you got to sell a certain amount of tickets and at a certain point you get to the point where you have to sell tickets for like 10 bucks or 5 bucks just to fill seats and depending on where you're sitting in a stadium like that so that's kind of part of it but as I also mentioned it it's a uh, also, that there's no football stadiums in Las Vegas yet. <laughs> I was just gonna. I, I was you. Were, you read my mind because I was gonna say. Now, is that gonna change when that new Raider stadium goes up in Vegas? Yeah, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say UFC uses that stadium once yep. or twice once it's complete. Um, it after uh, of course Manny Pacquiao versus Floyd Mayweather too is is uh, the headliner there to christen that stadium allegedly. So, no, I'm, but but the rest. Of, I mean, the rest of this card though, it, it was but. It was it a card. Lead, it was a it card. It did lead to some interesting things, like uh, you know, Dan Hooker. What? Hey, that was an impressive performance. This guy now six and one at one fifty five, and he just he pretty much tore apart Al. I mean, Al did his best. He always does. I mean, this is don't forget this is the guy that this is the guy that went the full distance with Habib. But uh, no, Dan was just too much. But then that leads to him calling out Dustin Poirier. And then Dustin Poirier retorting on Twitter saying, you're doing good, buddy, but I got the Irishman next. Yeah. So let's go with, let's talk about that fight first before we get into what could be next and, and those, that call out that was pretty great afterwards. I thought Hooker put on almost a perfect performance in this yeah. fight. He, he didn't do too much. He, he stayed to his game plan and, he almost out wrestled the wrestler Iaquinta in this bout. He he bloodied him up pretty good, and I felt like for a lot of that fight he had Al guessing, and yeah. you don't really get that a lot with Al, especially with the corner that he has coming out of Long Island. I I didn't expect that kind of performance from from Dan in this fight where he didn't really need to utilize his his kickboxing as much as he normally does. But he still used it to an effective, effective rate, you know. And yeah. that submission attempt he had, I think it was in, what was that? The first round, or the, the first, the yeah, first, yeah, where he took his back and it was just like, whoa, where? Did, how did this get here? So I, I thought this was more. This spoke more to what Hooker has become as a fighter than even his James Vick victory or his victories before that. Like I think what I took from this is that. He learned a lot from that Edson Barbosa fight yeah. when he got killed with those body kicks. I feel like he went back to the drawing board and gave us something a lot more complete fighter where he's not just going in there like a wild man trying to get those KOs. Yeah, you know, you, sp- you spoke about the the rear naked choke in the first. That's a, that's one of the things that impressed me about him was his resiliency because for a fighter like him, 
who likes to go for the kill. Often, well, first off, like it, it was sort of like you said, out of his element to go for something like that. It was a little surprising to see him try to out wrestle the wrestler. Then he almost gets the rear naked choke, which which almost leads me to believe that was those were definitely techniques they were working on in the gym leading up to this fight. Sort of surprised, like, look, we're going to go in. Here's what you need to do against them. Here's what we think what can work. And when it didn't work, that can usually throw someone like Hooker off. If he sees he's going to get the kill, but he just misses, that could send him in. That could send any other fighter into a ta- tailspin. But I like the way he was able to regroup from not being able to get the rear naked choke in the first round and then carry on re- with the rest of the fight in what you said was about as perfect of a performance as you can ask for someone like him. I mean, this is a guy that definitely needs to start getting more eyes on him at 155. Yeah, and and I think this is the kind of performance that gets that kind of attention. And like you said to start this conversation, I mean, he didn't even want to talk about his fight. He just wanted to call out Dustin Poirier for a fight in 2020 in New Zealand, which would be interesting if UFC decides to go back there somewhat yeah. early in the in the 2020 uh calendar if they go to that side of the world for a pay-per-view or another event um yeah give me that fight i mean yeah. i don't know i there's not a lot to talk about in that type of matchup other than yeah i i, I would watch i would watch but it was very intriguing because dustin though seems like i said that tweet really resonated with me because it, it just seems the pattern here and i think you and i spoke about this i think in private after um, the Abu Dhabi. I think Dustin has a plan to exit this it to exit this sport, and I think he got it. He got his title fight, and now he's he's basically saying, "All right, you know, you." He's telling Dana White, "Like, I know you're not going to give Connor something lucrative, like a title fight coming back in. So give him to me. Like, let me get, let me secure the bag, let me get the cash before I move on with my life." And I really, th- I honestly think that that is the plan Dustin has in his head. Um, so I don't know if we'll ever see the hook because if if he is getting Connor, I think Dustin's going to fight Connor and he's out. As yeah. much as people would hate to see that, I think he's done. Yeah, uh, win or win or lose, but it was smart on Hooker's part to make that call out because, and he didn't do it. What I liked, he didn't do it too much over the top. It was just a simple. I want to fight, you know, one of the most dangerous men in this division. I'll kick your ass. See you later. Yeah, as John Anik mentioned on the broadcast, it was partially that he wanted to just get it done and also that his head coach had to go back to corner Israel Adesanya. So <laughs> as uh, we were joking throughout the night, he had to make that that uh, 300-yard sprint back to the Whoa. uh to the locker rooms because of how big that foot that rugby stadium is in Australia that he yeah, I, why, that's the only thing though. You love these 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 stadium like shots and everything, but getting these guys to the ring is a chore. Like <laughs> it it's it, they're basically doing a a one ten sprint to get to the ring every time that they make the walk. Well, that's almost and but like they do it with Anthony's Joshua's. But although Anthony really doesn't exert energy, it's more fire. It's more the pageantry with AJ. But no, like what I saw from UFC tonight, WWE does it pretty well too when they do stadiums for WrestleManias. They they know when to cut it off at some points and start the entrance. Now, now they've gone over the top before. Like in Orlando, they had an 80-yard entrance ramp. That was one thing. But the, <laughs> WWE's adverse at cutting it off when they need they need to. 
Dana White just needs to hire some entertainment people <laughs> who know how to do that and just cut it off and say, look, here's where I want my entrance and here's what we have to do with the seats. And they could do it for him very easily because, no, we, you can't have those walks like we had tonight. That was just that was too much. Yeah, I, 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 st- I just still I'm still laughing because I'm, I'm watching Gennady Golovkin's fight on DAZN while we're getting ready for this. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we got the, they're in the 12th round. I'm like, oh, yeah, we got plenty of time. They're still walking the co-main events out to the ring right now. I, I don't even need to look at the, at the UFC stream just yet. So. I mean, look, man, like we got guys on this card tonight, like Bam Bam, who he's not exactly the cardio expert. So you're asking someone like him, hey, man, before you get in there and blow your gas tank after like five minutes, can you take this 80 yard walk first, please? That's a little unfair. Yeah. So the attendance actually, the official attendance was 57,127, and that broke the record for largest crowd to ever see a UFC event live. Pretty interesting. You know, you forget sometimes just how how popular the UFC is globally. Sometimes it's easy to let that slip your mind, and then you get a night like tonight, and it it really reminds you of just how popular the, the, the company is around the world. Yeah. And this was also supposed to be the card that gave us a Holly Holm homecoming to, to, so to speak, against Raquel Pennington. Of course, she pulled out of the event last week or two weeks ago with an undisclosed injury. Would have probably boosted some numbers for this card in terms of interest, I feel like. But, I mean, it is what it is, man. This is what UFC pay-per-views are at this point. Heavy on the top. Maybe you get a good little prospect fight on the undercard or on the prelims, and that's about it. Taitu Ivasa looked awful, as usual. I mean, he was propped up to be something that he's not, clearly. He's not a diverse diverse fighter. He's a a brawler striker who has zero ground game, Sergei Spivak. I didn't even know who that was before this fight, and he just took him apart. I mean, I don't. there's not much else to say there. I mean, to but when you bloody a man up and then literally put him to sleep, like he just put Ty to sleep. Like, how often do we see the referee have to come over and check the hand in this sport nowadays? You know, the very few and far between. But tonight he had to come over and say, "Hey, are you asleep?" And sure enough, Ty was out. It was ugly. It, it was ugly. Hopefully, I, I mean, I didn't. I don't even know what you do with him, just because it's like you can't even go soft match matchmaking with him. No. Like, you're going to have to put him in there with a slugger, and hopefully he doesn't just get KO'd in the first or second rounds. And you really can't blame the UFC for this. They played their cards right with him in building him up. They honestly did. They they did what they were supposed to do, which, you know, they, they gave him some fights to win. But uh, eventually, with, with every fighter, you got to sink or swim. And when it came time for Ty, he's, he's sinking, man. Actually, I think he hit Brock Bottom tonight. I think tonight when he got choked by, like, I I don't know who Sergey Spivak is, but now I do. Yeah. But at the expense of the guy that they were banking on to be a superstar heavyweight. And that's two losses now in Australia or New Zealand because he lost to Junior Dos Santos in yep. Adelaide. And these were supposed to be those, like, moments for him, and, and they're just not there. Well, I think if I remember correctly, I think we even said the junior fight was a mistake. That I, I think. I mean, we though, even, it, it was a rush job. It was a it yeah. was a skyrocket sink or swim moment for him. And I mean, 
this is like this is like uh um this is like James Vick again like yeah you yeah. You, you gave the guy the chance and you gave him the chance way too early clearly because he wasn't Which ready. Is- and like it's like James Vick and Ty, like we 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 can give UFC flack for a lot of things, and Dana White and company deserve it. But in a case like like you know Ty and like a James Vick or something, like they do what they're supposed to do in saying, "Hey, we think you could be the next superstar, so here's how we're going to bring you along." But eventually, we have to take the leash off, yeah. and you have to run on your own. And some of these guys are going to be able to run, but then some of these guys aren't. And Ty just, I I actually. I think tonight I kind of felt bad for the kid in a way. Just when I was seeing him laying there, I was like, yeah, this is it. This It's over. I don't, you know, it's it's funny. Like you and I said conversations. You can have conversations for days about what to do next with somebody. Or where, what's it? But when I look at Ty, I'm like, I have no idea, man. Bellator? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with him. I I really don't know what you do with that guy. He needs he probably needs a break more than anything. He needs yeah. a, he needs a re, a hard reset, figure out what he's doing with his his training camps and everything because something's clearly not right. No more shoeies, man. No more shoeies. And that that was, you know, that's another heartbreaking thing. He really like if if he was able to swim, he was a likable personality who would have been a, a great a great sort of character, a charismatic, you know, contender for the UFC, and it just didn't work out. It's sad. Yeah. Moving through the rest of the card, Diego Lima gets a split decision win over Luke Jumeo in a fight that I don't think was a split decision. I thought it was very clearly a Diego Lima win. Um, but other than that, other than that, we got one more person to talk about, and that's yes. Jorgen DeCastro, our new very large adult friend because i can't even call him a son he's just a gentleman he was so nice after the fight he scored one of the most brutal knockouts i've seen in ufc and that's saying something given what we watched in as a sport over the last five or six years but i don't think i've ever seen somebody get punched on a like a rushing punch counter shot where he flew through the air and landed hard on the canvas like that was just one of the most wild sequences I've seen in this sport. And, you, you know, that that's one of the things we like. And like you, like you say, with, um, with cards like these, you can look at the undercard on paper leading up to it, and you could say, well, this is boring. But you watch it for moments like this, because we just talked about um, potential stars being born like, and tied, fallen. But here we also had a guy maybe start his trek to somewhat superstardom in the heavyweight division. We, we, we might look back and say, this was the moment you never know, because this guy had one, one of the most brutal knockouts we'll see all year in UFC. And then they put a microphone in front of him afterwards. And Brandon, you have the exact quote in front of you. I don't. Give me about, one second. Uh, Keep going. Oh, I mean, this guy just killed it on the microphone and he just made everyone fall in love with him. He said, I may look a little chubby, but I got power in my legs and I'm in power in my hands like that. Put that on a T-shirt. <laughs> you put that on a T-shirt right now. That thing will sell like hotcakes like this guy. It, it, it's good. And, and I love how he called. He called for like, I want my I want my bonus. And then he said, now I want more fights. Like, just keep loading me up with fights. I want to fight. I want to be something in this division. No, we are adopting this. And, like, uh, Brian Campbell right now does has no idea who this man is. But we are going to be sure, everyone. Don't worry. 
Brandon and I are going to bombard BC with everything to know about this man. We're going to do our research, where he was born, what hospital he was born in, where he went to school. Because this man, we have adopted this man as our own now. DeCastro did get his bonus, by the way. He got Performance of the Night along with Israel Adesanya. And Fight of the Night went to Riddle and Malarkey for that war that they put on. Another one of those fights where you just go, what am I watching? Because I saw, did you see the gif going around of both dudes yep. were on the ground and I think it was Riddle hit him, but they basically, from his knees, he's yep. basically in a crouch position like you would be in football where you're trying to go shoulder to shoulder and he just, he just right hooks him across the chin where you're just like, what? How is that happening right now? I I saw that gif come across my face tonight. Probably about a hundred times, and every single time I had to stop what I was doing to stare at it again. It was it was amazing. I, yeah, I I can't believe that that actually happened in a fight. <laughs> you got any last takeaways here before we wrap this up, Jack? Uh, no, like I said, it's just I I, I really got to admit here, especially now that I have this forum, because like we talk, I was never a big Israel Adesanya fan, but he, I don't have to like the. the the uh, the character he's trying to portray, but I'll tell you what, man. After seeing what I saw tonight, this guy, I don't care what he says. All I care about now is what he does. Like when, I mean, for me, but like when he fights now, I, my interest level just skyrocketed. When I this when you sit when you tell me this guy's gonna fight because he just he has this mixed martial arts thing down to a science, and it's it's a beautiful thing to watch. It's weird, right? So I agree with you on that, but it's it's also like one of these things that I argue with Brian all the time about where he makes fun of me for liking the clowns, as he calls them. He, he's still anti-Johnny Walker until he's, Johnny Walker proves him wrong, and he's still anti-Michelle Pereira for what he did a couple of weeks ago because he didn't win and he, he looked foolish in how he lost. And it's just like, I get all that, man. But at the end of the day, just some of these dudes just don't, just rub me wrong when it comes to their personality types and, and, and their fighting style. I, sometimes I try to separate art from the artist, right? Like when you're in the octagon, I want to just, just focus on that. I don't want to think about your, your comments after the fights and everything. Cause I had to do this with Connor for a while where when Connor during his rise, it was like, so just, whoa, what am I watching? Because his power was just translating so well in the cage where he was just knocking everybody yeah. out. But then his, his, his personality gets more into it because he's starting to become that crossover star. And it's just like, okay, this is nice, but he's really not that good. Like he's not as good as he thinks he is. And with Israel, it's like, he might actually be that good. He might actually be as good as he yeah. thinks he is. But I don't know if I'm ready to put him in that, in that upper echelon, you know, like, He's clearly still not in the pound for pound, like number one rankings, right? Like he's always, he's still going to be like four or five, whatever. When Brian does his new update, I would say I would probably put him maybe six. Cause like you still got to put Habib, John Jones, Stipe's got a hell of a case now. Tony Ferguson is always going to be up there until he loses or beats Habib. Um, Max Holloway. I mean, Holloway, not really anymore after he lost that 155. But like, to me, there's still just so many more dudes above him right now. He's got a long way to go. I hope he doesn't get humbled somehow along the way in a, in a very 
bad manner similar <laughs> like Anderson Silva did. Yeah. But I I just there's just something there that I need to see more before he becomes this like over the top caricature of himself. You know, do you have to, do I have time to ask you one more question? What you got? Because like you said become a character but like we're 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 almost talking ourselves in circles here because we're saying we're, we're saying all these things about the future yet we just talked about how you know there's who in middleweight is there for him to, to is there anyone from 170 you could see the UFC maybe saying hey can you throw on 15 pounds and go fight this guy well it's funny you mention that because Tyron Woodley tweeted immediately after that his his wish list was I think I I can't remember the exact name like order hold on because you know one set it, it's almost like supply and demand because you know we we're tight 170 is loaded with talent so it wouldn't be hard for UFC to go to some of those guys and say hey can you just toss on 15 so and go up and face him Tyron Woodley's wish list that he tweeted was Usman Israel Habib in that order now I feel like that would be really interesting if he actually gets that fight given that he was already booked to fight Robbie Lawler before an injury put that aside but he's kind of shown that he doesn't like Israel and look I feel like this is this is going to keep happening though with like these other big stars or or potential stars in UFC because Israel's rubbing a lot of people the wrong way if 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 you if you are going to struggle with finding Izzy someone at 185 after again all of this we are assuming is after the presumed Costa fight if you're going to struggle I would absolutely be down for seeing Tyron go up and fight him I'd be down for that in a heartbeat yeah I I'm with you I I think I think there is some fun business to be made as lo- as little as we think of the middleweight division right now I still think. There are fun fights on the horizon involving Israel Adesanya. Let's get past the Paulo Costa fight first. But hey, w- let's not be those guys. Israel won. Hey, man, congratulations. You did your job. You looked fantastic tonight. You looked every bit the championship caliber fighter that you promised us you would be. That's awesome. But now I want to see more. I-, I need to see more of it. That's all I got to say. Well, you know, like they say... Yeah, he's the undisputed champion, but in some respects, the journey starts here now. Now it begins. Definitely. Like, once you're king of the mountain, like, yeah, it, it's it's two separate journeys to get to the top of the mountain. But now you're starting on a new road where you're you're the one everyone's gunning for. Yep. You know, Robert Whitaker, for better or for worse, he was the one with the main target on his back entering tonight. Now it's Izzy. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with him going forward. It really is such a, you know, an undefeated fighter. Like it, there's, there's a lot of intrigue here to watch going forward. Definitely. All right, Jack, thank you for joining me today. Nice little pinch hit roll from our boy. He'll be back tomorrow too, doing some instant analysis on hell in a cell from WWE. I heard it's going to be an interesting pay-per-view that only has four Bouts, I don't know, matches, matches. Uh, WWE matches has been official. so, yeah, WWE's been so wrapped up in a season premiere of Raw, quote unquote, and then the, I mean, Friday was their big premiere on on Fox, which actually pulled in four million viewers, so that was a success for them, a huge success. But 
Yeah, they. it's almost like they forgot that they have a pay-per-view tomorrow and they only have four matches announced. And usually on these, there's 11. So they're a bit off. Oh, boy. Follow us on Twitter, at State of Combat, at BrandonY65, at Jack Crosby, 41423. Do I have that yes. right? Yes, sir. Follow us on all those social media platforms. Thank you for listening. We will be back this week. Sugar Rashad Evans will be giving us some fire takes while Brian Campbell continues to drink pina coladas out of fun glasses in a foreign country. Thank you, Jack, for joining us. We'll see you guys later. We out.